This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by ActorRated.com, the Internet's only place to find ratings and reviews for headshot photographers, acting classes, and more. See what other actors are talking about and recommending. To learn more, visit ActorRated.com. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we interview actors, directors, filmmakers, writers, producers, agents, managers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry and we record those interviews and we uh, bring them to you via this podcast. <laughs> via this podcast. That's right. And as always, ever since the beginning, we want to keep this as open a dialogue as possible. So we invite you, our listeners, to join in the conversation because we are just two dudes with a podcast. We don't pretend to know everything. Favorite thing that Trevor says is we started this podcast not because we have all the answers, but because we are looking for them. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, uh, whether it's a comment, something you hate about what we did, something you loved about what we did, a question, please feel free to uh, reach out to us. And we've got a plethora of ways to do that at our website, which is InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have part one of a two-part interview with uh, another web entrepreneur. Was that the word you used? <laughs> web I said frontiers web, I said web frontiersman. But. Web frontiersman. Uh, Bernie Sue. Some of you may uh, be familiar with his work. He uh, wrote Compulsions, which is, which is one of the uh, web series to win a Streamy Award a couple years back. And uh, he is now uh, making a nice living for himself. Um writing and working kind of in the new media realm um, and kind of in conjunction with some studios. So um, he talks a lot about the kind of business aspect of of, uh, of this whole new media thing that's happening. So yeah. um, really, really great stuff coming up. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. So, hey, everybody. <laughs> it's, uh, it's us a again. While. Remember us yeah. over here with yeah. the little podcast? Yeah. Thanks no, for coming. It, it has not been for lack of trying. Uh, you know, we're, we're now we're starting to sound like a broken record saying this every yeah. time. But, um, no, Gospel According to First Squad has one show left. It just keeps kind of getting extended. And uh, our last show is tonight in, uh, what is it, like T-minus three hours and 15 minutes. So... Um, after this, we are definitely planning to get back to a regular release schedule. So, uh, thanks for sticking with us through, um, this kind of strange period. That said, we have a lot of, uh, thank yous we wanted to get to before we jump into today's episode, because so many of you guys have not only been supporting the podcast financially these past few months, uh, and really the past year and a half since we started it, <laughs> yeah. two years almost, we're almost two years old, Yeah, but also, um, people who came out to support us by seeing Gospel According to the First Squad, overwhelming support, like yeah. humbling, like, like amazing support. So, yeah, uh, yeah just a couple people we wanted to... Were you going to say something? I'm I was sorry. just going to say, I mean, we're going to get to the sort of gospel thank yous later, but uh, I was going to say that it, there was such an overwhelming outpouring of, of support from our podcast listeners that not only were they running into each other on yeah, the same cool. nights that, that they were coming cool. to see it, you know, yeah. where they sort of recognize each other from like their Twitter avatar and things like that. They're uh -huh. like, are you, <laughs> are you, you know, but yeah. also um, it was noticed by our cast 
and crew and producers and director like Tom Burmester, the artistic director of the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble, who also, who also wrote and co-directed um, Gospel. Yeah. He, he he came up to me one night, like specifically to be like, "Man, the podcast has been like such an amazing sort of ancillary benefit to to the ensemble." Um, and I was like, "Well, you know, it it stands to reason. Trevor and I are both members, but I, you know, I was trying to." keep it to, to underplay it a little bit but I, mm-hmm. you can't really underplay the the amount of support that that has come from yeah from uh from our listeners so thank you so much we wanted to thank you know those people as well as we have a, a list we, we've been not only bad about getting our episodes out on time but about thanking people for for donating to the to the podcast so we're gonna uh, do some shout outs like old school style <laughs> yeah yeah and we're actually you know before we go into this list one thing we're thinking one thing we are going to do i should i should say this um those of you who have donated to the podcast as a subscriber meaning you've donated on a recurring monthly basis at the three five ten or twenty dollar uh, level, um, we're going to create uh, what's called a pa- what we're going to call a patron page on the website, mm-hmm. where we're going to basically feature maybe like a little picture of you um, with a link to your website and a little blurb about you know who you are and what you do. If you would like, um, to, as kind of a thank you for helping to support the podcast, we want to kind of throw some love back to you. So anybody coming to the website who sees the little patrons page link, and we're going to be working on the website a little bit too. We know it needs some work. Um, they'll be able to kind of look through and see who's an active supporter of the podcast, subscriber, I should say, and then um, maybe learn a little bit about you that way. Thank you um, to those of you who have done that. Expect to hear from one of us in the near future um, for a photo and a little blurb and links to all your relevant websites. And then the people that we wanted to give a shout out to on today's episode as supporters of the podcast in a financial sense are both one-time donators and recurring donators. And these are in no particular order. Do you want to just kind of tag team this? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's just start this off. Sharina Dorothy. Um she came to see Gospel twice, yes. which is pretty amazing, yeah. and just a, the sweetest, nicest person, and she uh, just recently became a subscriber, so thank you, Sharina. Uh, Scott J. Smith, thanks so much for your donation. Um, Scott's actually been great, too, about pointing out a few weird kind of broken links on our website. Yeah, well, we get that a lot, actually. Uh, yeah, our some- servers sometimes decide to kind of just forget files exist, so <laughs> this is the second one, and he pointed out the second one that happened. So um, I gotta go back and re-upload those. So he's like our uh, he's like our uh, free <laughs> IT person. Yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you, Scott. That, yeah, you, Scott, you don't have to donate if you keep finding these broken things. <laughs> yeah. You can just donate your time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, Dane Posey, thank you so much. He also came to see uh, First Squad. Hey, brought his uh, wife or girlfriend? Uh, one of them. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was his girlfriend. <laughs> you he, made it. You made it sound like he has both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's not. That's not what it is. No. Thank you, Dane, for coming, and thank you for becoming a subscriber of the podcast. Uh, Tavis Dans, good buddy from college, uh, subscriber to the podcast, also was there on opening night of Gospel. Uh, Olga Voronkova, uh, who I think also goes by the name Olia Voronkova, I believe. If, if not, there are two actresses out there listening to the podcast with very similar names. Uh, and she recently posted on our Facebook wall with a web series that she just began. And the first episode is 12 minutes or so, and it looks great. Um, so congratulations, Olga, on, uh, on your own work. Anybody who's interested in checking it out, just head over to our Facebook page. You'll see the link there. And, uh, of course, thank you, Olga, for your support. Denise Fleener. <laughs> what did she say one, on her Twitter? One of her... Account. She said her like mind... My, mind ex- was 
was exploded, exploded and my soul was filled up or something yeah, like that. Unbelievable. That was- she brought her daughter, who we've also talked about on the podcast, to see Gospel According to First Squad this last weekend. She's been a su- big supporter of the podcast since the very beginning. I, I, I feel like we, I feel like without her, just her, we'd be done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'd be done. We have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Nobody would be asking us any questions. She, she's awesome. We'd have no yeah. money. <laughs> it was so cool to meet her in person, too. She flew into L.A. to, to kind of tour the city a little bit with her daughter, who's thinking of moving out here, and they took some time to come see First Squad, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just worked out that way, but it was uh, so good to, to meet her in person. Yeah. So thank you, Denise. Laura Coover, thank you very much for your recent uh, financial support of the podcast. Mr. David Haverty. Yes, indeed. Be the lead. Uh, um, <laughs> he's got like 12 Twitter handles, I feel like. Um, yeah, I think he does have a couple. Big supporter of the podcast, big uh, big advocate of, of what we're up to, also trying to get us um, a couple of uh, interviews lined up, which, uh, you know, is... Um, is uh, helpful from time to time he also started the facebook group actors supporting actors oh that's right so if anybody wants in on that um you can probably just send david a tweet i don't think uh i don't think he's like turning people away or anything uh and if he is i'm sorry david for putting you in an awkward situation (laughs) but uh just uh you can send him a tweet he is be the lead all one word be the lead l-e-a-d uh on Twitter. Tara Patterson, who's been also incredibly supportive of the podcast, uh, not only with her with her hard-earned dollars, but also with her emails and comments and spreading the love. So thank you, Tara. George Savage, who uh, sent us a couple of voicemails, which was awesome, and then uh, came to see Gospel According to First Squad, and somewhere in that also became a subscriber to the podcast. Yeah. So thank you so much, my friend. Uh, it's great to uh, have you as a, as a listener. Um, and I, I love that he... He's like, you know, I've got a kind of late start in this acting thing, but you know, I'm really enjoying it. He's got such a positive outlook on the whole thing. Yeah. It's really yeah. it's really refreshing to talk to him about, um, you know, the business and the show and our podcast and stuff. It was, it was, it was fun to meet him in person. Yeah, very cool. Uh, Andrew Sanchez, thank you very much for your support of the podcast. Gina DeLuca, um, who probably would have come to see the show if she wasn't in her own show. She produced um, Evita, I think, down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wasn't able to make it to our show. But um, thank you so much for um, supporting the podcast, not only with your um, donations, but also with your um, listenership uh, over these uh, past couple of years. Yes, indeed. Mark Walker, thank you very much. Mark is a friend of mine uh, and uh, has been a supporter of the podcast from the very beginning. So thank you, Mark. Uh, Davud Rostugo, uh, who is, where is he from again? I want to say London-ish. No, well, London via like Egypt or something. I don't don't remember Some non-English speaking uh, country. Um, I can't remember exactly, but he's always hitting us with um, really interesting questions about, you know, work visas for actors and all kinds of interesting stuff. If you guys have any expertise on that um, and you want to uh, just help out a fellow actor, get in touch with us. We'll put you in touch with him. Um, I'm sure he could... Uh, he, yeah. would love, uh, he would love to, to run some of that stuff by. Yeah, we have, we have zero expertise in that area. Joelle Jacob, thank you very much. We um, I, I know we've uh, we've talked about her quite a bit in the, on the podcast. So, Joelle, thank you uh, for your support, as always. Chris Swisher. Chris is actually a friend of mine from high school. Um, I went back to Boston uh, a few months ago for my buddy's wedding, and uh, I saw Chris there, and 
we got to talking about the podcast, and he gave us a listen and gave us a very nice uh, donation. So thank you, Chris. Awesome, uh, Brent Williams, um, who we met at First Squad. Which yeah, was awesome. He's one of the, he. He also goes back a while too. I feel like it was a year or so ago oh, yeah. that he called into the podcast, mm-hmm. and we got we got his name wrong. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> multiple times. Uh, no, he was one of the people that that actually recognized. I think. The first time Sharina came to see it, he saw her. She saw him like in the parking garage or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By that's right. Theater. Yeah, and they were, and she recognized him from his Twitter avatar. And she was like, "Are you? Yeah. By any chance you listen to the podcast? It was that's cool. Kind of awesome. Uh, and finally, uh, last but certainly not least, like I said, there's no particular order. Steve Fajardo, um, yeah. thank you. He's been a longtime supporter uh, of the podcast, um, both with his listenership and his. Uh, finances yes yes indeed and i actually have a i mean this is this is just the financial people like there are countless numbers of you who have left us reviews on itunes who have spread the word on twitter and facebook so thank you very much um one two people i don't want to forget uh number one daniel pierce uh of course uh everybody knows everybody knows daniel pierce listens to the podcast i hope uh because he has not only been a, a, a tremendous supporter of the podcast uh financially but also a tremendous supporter um in every other possible way yeah, so uh, big ad, ad yeah, and he's come out to see pretty much every show we've done. So uh, thank you very much, Daniel. And then lastly, um, kind of a, a new friend I have made on Twitter, uh, Jana Chris. I, I know a few people in the uh, Twitter community yeah. know her. She's from Germany. And she does these great little cartoons. Uh, she has two characters named Eddie Earthworm and one called Frog. Uh, I forget the other part of that. Something about a, a frog, but um, she's been uh, she's been very communicative and supportive of the podcast as well. So thank you, Jana. Does that do it? That's it. Thank <laughs> and, you so much. Yeah, guys. and you know we're probably forgetting people. So sorry if we are. You guys know who you are. Uh, who came to see First Squad? Who have donated to the podcast? Thank you so so much. Uh, keep an eye on the website for that patrons page to be up within the next week or two, um, so you guys can uh, check each other out. And maybe even network a little bit. Speaking of gospel according to First Squad, I know most, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, you've seen us bragging about this, but I just got to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, we have to. We yeah. are just so proud. And not only that, but it's it's like this interesting experience that, you know, I keep telling my friends and my family that it feels like this party that the ensemble's never been invited to. And all of a sudden, we're totally crashing the party, <laughs> and that was physicalized last Monday night. I think I think you were the prime physicalizer of that. Hey, hey, hey. you were so excited <laughs> when the entire cast of First Squad and plus our director and writer, we all went to the uh, Ovation Award nomination announcement ceremony. <laughs> Um, where they announced the nominations uh, for the Ovation Awards. And the, for those of you who don't know, the Ovation Awards are kind of the biggest theater awards in Los Angeles. I um, think the only thing above Ovation Awards are the Tonys. Well, they're sort of like LA's answer to the Tonys. I mean, they're obviously not as well-known. They're obviously not as big. Um, 
they're obviously not... If the Tonys or the Oscars, like the Ovation Awards are kind of like the Golden Globes, I'd, pr- I'd probably... Yeah, or the SAG Awards, maybe. Ma- yeah, SAG like Awards, that. I'd yeah. make that kind of comparison. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a jump from the Ovations to the Tonys, but it's still a... It's still well, it's a, a huge deal. deal here in Los Angeles. That's, yeah. a, that's the point yeah. I'm trying to make. Um, I'm not trying to, like, downplay them. Uh, why would I? Because we, on Monday night, were nominated for... Five of them, actually six for the ensemble and five for gospel according to first squad. Actually, uh, um, yeah, you're right, six, six, for yeah, the ensemble, six, yeah, six for the ensemble, five for gospel according to first squad, including uh, uh, best director, best writer, best ensemble, and best overall production of the year. Mm-hmm. So it was an incredible experience. I was admittedly very animated. You know, Drew uh, Crabtree, who's in our show, was kind of uh, making fun of me because I was so animated. And he said, I'll never forget it. His quote was, dude, if you score a touchdown, you gotta, you got to pretend like you've been there before. I said, I said, but we haven't. And everybody who's in that room knows we haven't been there before. We're like the new kids on the block. And that's what I was talking about. I, I, like I said, I felt like it's this party that we've never been invited to. And now we're crashing the party. I, I feel like that night really put us on the map, you know. And the next day, uh, Tom Burmester, uh, the, the writer, got inquiries from, from, from theaters in the San Francisco and Illinois and Boston. Um, and, and that was the next day. You know, yeah. they were just asking for the script out of, you know, sort of curiosity. But that's amazing. Like, the kind of pull that that has when, like... All of a sudden, you know, you get nominated for these awards and then they're on the internet and anybody can go and look at them and then, you know, what that could possibly mean for for us. And, you know, this leads into a whole other conversation about us leaving the powerhouse and trying to get gospel up in other theaters and it's you know it's 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 an interesting experience mostly because we've never experienced it yeah and so stay stay tuned um for what develops with uh first squad it may be a few months it may be a year you know who knows but um I, i'm pretty confident that something is going to happen oh yeah and i really hope i get to be a part of it this is it tonight this is the be- end of this yeah. run so uh i have two questions for you number one what has been keeping you busy since last time we talked and then number two what are you going to do after the show is done <laughs> sleep <laughs> uh re- record and release podcast weekly yeah, right, as opposed right. to tri-weekly i had this commercial audition i wanted to share this with our listeners because i had a big learn on this audition i was uh auditioning i can't remember what it was for the product i think it was like some kind of like 3d television thing because what it is is these two guys are watching tv and then this band walks into a living room and so and they so they can't talk anymore because there's people playing trumpets and stuff in their face like these two dudes watching a football game or something and it's okay. like a halftime show i walked away from that audition and i was like i didn't really do that well at that i had a couple of bad auditions since the last time we recorded and this was one of them why why is that and i had i wanted to answer that question for myself so i was thinking about it and i realized I didn't see the band. I didn't see the band. Like when they, when when the guy running the session gave us the cue that the band had walked in the living room, I was very general. I was kind of looking around, like, and I didn't really feel like I had an opinion about the band. And I was kind of like, I didn't look in any specific place. It kind of became this like analogy for specificity in my work. Like I was thinking, like especially in commercials where you have 30 seconds to tell a story, you better be freaking specific. And specificity is this thing that I've been trying to incorporate into my work anyway. And it's been really easy, to, you know, when you have a lot of rehearsal 
and a, and a long run, like a two month run, like we've had with gospel, it's really, it's a lot easier when you have that much time. You have the luxury of being able to find new things every night and it's so much fun and it's what makes theater theater. But you got to be able to make those choices when you're doing film and television and commercials too. I came home and, uh, was talking to my new roommate, by the way, Ben Whitehair. Uh, so strange that uh, we're now roommates. Uh, uh, <laughs> Worlds I'm, colliding. I know. I'm, I'm roommates with a podcast listener. I came home and I told him, and he was like, yeah, man. He's like, I've been on such a big specificity kick lately, and that makes so much sense, and blah, blah, blah. And we had a really great discussion about it. But I just, like, it just became this, like, sort of analogy for specificity. See the band. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've had that experience or, or not had that experience in any kind of audition or commercial audition you've had where you just felt like you were just making really yeah. general choices. Yeah. That's an easy trap to fall into, especially because <clears throat> you're a little bit anxious, you know, and it's a, it's always an unfamiliar environment you're walking into. Yeah, and you just looked at the storyboard when yeah. you arrived and there's yeah. like four lines and you just saw them. And like, that's a skill in and of itself, being good at doing cold reads. But sometimes there's not even lines yeah. for those commercials. Yeah, a lot of it's just reaction shots and things like that. Yeah. So that, that is tough. And you never quite know what they're looking for. Like sometimes they want the commercial to be over the top. Sometimes they want it to be very realistic. And they're not always telling you that. And sometimes they tell you one thing, but they actually want the other. So it's it's tough. You've truly just got to go in and show that you can take direction well, I think, <clears throat> and that you can be specific. You know, I think those yeah. are really two kind of key ingredients. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if anybody has any uh, thing they'd like to add um, about this, you know, we'd love to hear from you. That was sort of a, my learn that I took away from that. And I had another audition that I was kind of disappointed in. Um, and uh, the only thing I have really have to say about that is, is um, don't be afraid to ask questions mm-hmm. in your audition. It was this thing, uh, this web series thing, and they 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 said it was supposed to be very Aaron Sorkin like. They compared it to um, the West Wing and Sports Night and all this stuff. And I was like, oh okay. So when I was studying it, Aaron Sorkin's all about speed, mm-hmm. you know, just like talking really fast. So I went in thinking like, okay, I got to talk like this and, and deliver the lines like this. And the director was like, okay, so take your time with this and <laughs> I don't feel like you have to rush through this. Make sure you paint the picture for me, paint all the images. And so all the work that you had done had to go out the window. Exactly. And so it kind of messed with my head a little bit. And that's my fault as an actor for not being mm-hmm. able to sort of take direction in the moment. But what I should have done and what I didn't do was say, oh, okay, so not like Sorkin, <laughs> which is what you said in right, the right, breakdown. Right. Um, yeah, it's so, tough. You know, that, that, that kind of feedback was probably based on a lot of actors coming in and, and doing exactly doing what it you like, were, so, exactly, were going to do, well, you know? And so he was like, okay, these guys need to slow down. Well, duh, don't put it out there that that's what you want, you know? Right. It's like if you say Sorkin, there's a certain uh, quality that goes along. Anybody mm-hmm. who's seen West Wing or Social Network or a- anything that he's ever written, it's, that's sort of like his his yeah. his pace, you Very know? rapid fire. A- anyway, yeah. that's uh, so a couple of learns I thought that I'd share with our listeners, you know? Cool. What's been keeping you busy besides gospel, my friend? Uh, well, it was, it was a pretty good week for me. I have an interesting story about that. So we got nominated for the five awards on monday so that was a nice start um i shot some really great photos with adam emperor southard who was a guest on our podcast a while ago he also wrote group and was part of the music wrote all the music for group as well uh, which was also nom- which was the other nomination that we yeah, got so isaac like way, i said we got six yeah, yeah isaac way was nominated for best uh 
lead actor in a musical for group. So uh, he took some photos for me um, for really cheap, and uh, they look fantastic. So that was another win. And then I booked a nice spot on uh, The Bold and the Beautiful. Now, here's yeah. The, here's the thing. I forgot about that. When I, yeah, when I, Trev. When I went in to read for it, there were like 14 lines. I had a whole conversation at the bar with like one of the main actors on the show. So I was really excited. It was a principal role. Because um, I've done under fives a couple times. Um, when I got there, you know, I, I went back for a callback. I booked it. I went there on Thursday and uh, found out that not only were there pages of the script that I didn't have for my character, but that they had taken my character's lines and split them up across three different actors. The other two actors were people from the reality show Big Brother. Oh, who God. CBS and Bold and Beautiful have some sort of agreement with doing some sort of cross promotion. Oh, God. So these two guys from, these two people from Big Brother came in and they had like half my lines. So in the end, I had five lines. So I, I think I got downgraded, not only my line wise, but I got downgraded from a principal to an under five. So my pay rate got cut in half as well. You're, and I didn't know that till the day of. Your so, agents and managers didn't like go after them for that? There's nothing you can do with the network. That's what they that's what they wanted. And they're constantly rewriting that stuff. Even when I was on set that day, like the writers came up, or not the writers, the PAs came up and they were like, We're gonna cut this line, we're gonna change this line, we're gonna why don't you say his name there instead of saying this? Oh my god. So um that was that. But uh that was so it was cool. I'm very grateful for the work, but at the same time I was like did you sign a contract before? No. No. Oh, my gosh. I don't, you, I don't think you can sign a Like, the only thing that you sign is when you get there that morning on set. And by that point, the changes had already been made. And I have a friend over there who works there, and she was telling me that, that this was something they were doing. Like, this is not the first time these reality stars have been on this show, and it's not the first time they've given lines away. And apparently, they wanted to cut the bartender role altogether and just have the two reality people be the role. So I wouldn't even be there. But they said that once they saw like a couple of the actors read for it, they were like, no, we have actors that are good enough to kind of bring this to life a little bit. So that's unbelievable, man. Well, Uh, I I, I guess I'm mostly upset because like, I feel like maybe, and I, I don't, this is not, I'm not trying to like come down on your representation, but I feel like it's an actor's representation's responsibility to make sure that that stuff is kind of like set in stone before you get on set so that when you get on set, you don't have to sign anything that they never saw because Mm. their job after you book something like their job is to get you the opportunity. It's your job to book the role. Then they take back over and it's their job to sort of deal with all the contracts and stuff. So the fact that you didn't sign anything until the morning of on set, you might as well be an extra you know what I mean? Because that's sort yeah. of like what it's like to be an extra. You show up on set that morning and you sign a contract there, as opposed to getting the contracts and stuff the night before or the morning or the morning of, and they're sent over to your agent or manager, and they are able to look it over, and then either they sign it in your stead or they get it to you and you sign. You know what I'm, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I, 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 and I think that it does work that way usually with primetime like kind of network shows, but I don't think with. Soap operas, that's the same. But I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, may, maybe it's not. Maybe that's anyway. the deal. Maybe it's because it's a, a, a soap opera and, and they, they work differently. But yeah. I, I don't know. That that really bums me. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, congratulations on booking. Like, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm hoping they bring, they'll bring the bartender back for every time they shoot in that location, in that bar. Oh, right, um, right. And I'm not telling this story to kind of be like, oh, woe is me. You know, I, I was, I'm telling it more to be... To be like, well, this is the kind of thing that happens yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, and I have no control over it. And the people from the show, from Big Brother, that were kind of on the set that day and kind of 
divvying up my character uh, with me were, were great people. It was, they were very cool. So it wasn't like a bad experience by any means. Um, and I may still get the principal rate. I'm not really sure. But, uh, See, you know, it's just one of those thing. things. I it wish, was like, I wish you were, I wish you were sure, like more sure about that. Yeah. Like, I, w- I like, asked, I asked, uh, one of the, I asked the associate casting director there, Sarah, who was on set as an extra that day because it was like the Halloween episode. So she wanted to dress up and be on the show. That's funny. <laughs> so she was, and she said, oh no, you're probably going to get downgraded to an under five pay. Okay. okay yeah. But, but who knows? why can't, but let me ask you this, Trev, why can't you pick up the phone and call your agents and ask them that question? No, I guess I could. I that that I concerns me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Because that's their job after the fact. Because you did your job, and you did it perfectly. There's nothing better that an actor can do except for book the role. They got you the opportunity. You booked the role, and then I feel like it's their job to sort of take over after that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like, if I was you, I, 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 would, I would... I mean, it's the weekend right now, but tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I pick up the phone and call them and say, what's the deal? Because this is what happened when I shot last week. Do you know if I got downgraded to this? Mm-hmm. And if so, mm-hmm. is there anything we can do? Can we negotiate? You know, because that's also their job is negotiating with yeah. the contract and stuff like that. I would have had, even after we divvied up my lines, I still would have been over five if they hadn't cut a whole chunk of the page right there that morning. Right, so, exactly. So, and yeah. that's what I'm saying because that's what I mean is you booked a principal role. That's what you booked. So the fact that they changed it on set, like they can't do that. That's really unfair to the actor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, um, may, may, you know, when the check comes in a couple of weeks, maybe I, I will get paid as a principal and it'll be, that would a, be a, awesome. a moot point. That know. would be awesome. But I, 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 I mean, follow up. Let's talk yeah, about I this should. again. I should. I didn't even think about that. Let's talk about this again on, on, on another episode and, and then, you know, ask, I would say ask your agents. You know, all right. Well, that said, probably jump in. I think we are, yeah, yeah, just about time to uh, jump into Bernie's interview. So here is a part one of our two part interview with Bernie Sue, Web Frontiers person, and uh, enjoy this, and we'll just see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, I am really excited to be sitting here with somebody we've we've been kind of following on the podcast and talked about a few episodes before. Uh, Bernie Sue, he's the creator of Compulsions, a web, a really probably the first web series that I ever saw. Um, as I was just telling you beforehand, Bernie, that uh, that really stuck out to me as something that was that I that that should have been on TV, like production quality and story wise and everything. You know what I mean? It was like the first web series that really really kind of looked like more than a web series to me. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. So, so I'm really excited to sit down with you and talk uh, some DIY stuff and, and hear your views and opinions on how the industry is changing and whatnot. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Cool. So uh, we usually like to start at the very beginning. Uh, I know you had a great interview on the Work Podcast, and I do want to touch on a little bit of what you guys talked about there, so I may make you repeat yourself a little bit, but... Um, where where did you get started? I mean, did you grow up in L.A.? Um, I grew up in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, so um, I have a kind of a tech background because of that, it's the Silicon Valley and everything. Uh, and But I've always had an interest in film or storytelling, and I came down here in uh, 2005 uh, to kind of study television writing, actually. And um, as YouTube kind of sprung out in 2008, I think, 2007, kind of realized that here's the future, um, I, and I might as well kind of play an advantage here. I come from tech. I understand tech uh, pretty well, and um, I can you know, kind of get ahead with everybody, of everybody if I jump in now and start developing for web. Cool. So, 
Yeah. So that was it. It was just like it's this, pretty, yeah. here's a window. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that a, I I, I don't know how in. big the window is. I don't know how long the window is. I don't know how much money the window is gonna give me if I pass through it. But <sighs> it was a it was worth a shot. It's just a, a way to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And uh, I it just felt right to me, so I just went that route. Um, not that I abandoned television. It just that. Uh, this was this kind of growing, budding industry, and I'm like, yeah, let's let's get let's play here. Let's see what we can do. Cool. So you've always been a storyteller, uh, writer, filmmaker, kind of in that world. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I kind of went through. You know, in college, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be, I want to be a filmmaker, and then I was like, well, do I want to direct? Do I want to produce? Do I want to write? Because I consider those three three very very different jobs, and uh, I, I believe in specializing. Um, I mean, you can do all three, of course, but I do believe in doing something better than the other two. And I didn't really know what that was until years later when I really got into television because in college I was like, oh, it's about features and features and features and, and features are great. But uh, I still – I believe the, the the best storytelling is happening on television actually right now mm. um, with some of those great cable shows. I think they, they just blow what we're seeing in features out of the water as far as storytelling goes, mm-hmm. um, character and stuff like that. So um, my interest became television, came down here to study television, studied it, and kind of adapted what I learned into, into web. Cool. Now, when you say you studied it, how, how did that go about? Um, classes? Classes, or? yeah. I'm, really? I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of classes. I, I think in any craft, um, classes do help. I, I, at the same time, you can you can teach yourself as much as possible because you, know, you control it yourself. But there's, there's, a, there's a ceiling. It's like someone needs someone better at what you want to do needs to tell you how to do it <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so much you can do by just kind of bootstrapping yourself and like, uh, you know, kind of running through it and... Um, I, I took classes at UCLA Extension. I think it's a great program for television writing. At least it was when I took it. I don't know how it is now. Uh, and I graduated with a certificate program. Not that that certificate really matters. I just, you know, here's a goal. <laughs> sure, <laughs> and, sure. You know, and uh, you know, wrote a bunch of specs and pilots and, you know, c- kind of really honed my craft and was able to adapt that, you know, into web. Wow. So that that sounds like that sounds like such a huge span of achievement all chunked into what was that like two three years or um, well the uh, it was first UCL extension that was two years about okay okay um, and then after that became web and that was we'll, we'll say another two years up to this point okay yeah interesting you know that that's interesting that that you say that um, TV seems to have kind of superior story storytelling to features. Do you think part of that is because they have kind of a longer window in which to develop those characters and stretch out that plot? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, one, it, you know, just time. You know, uh, one season of Twenty Four or Lost or uh, The Good Wife or whatever—that's twenty-four episodes at an hour apiece, minus commercials, so it's forty minutes apiece. That's mm-hmm. sixteen hours. You know, yeah. the, the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy extended edition is. 13 hours right so you know one season of the good wife or 24 you're getting more character from the lead especially than you are from the entire lord of the rings trilogy Mm -hmm. you know and 24 ran for eight seasons lost ran for six you know and so forth yeah and that makes a lot of sense then how why that would attract you as a writer as well yeah exactly i mean i i gravitate to characters i find myself that you know the shows i watch i watch them because i love the characters not specifically what's happening each week it's just how that particular person the lead or the character that i like is dealing with problem of the week cool you know cool so where so then so you 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 were interested in all this stuff you got you took some classes and kind of educated yourself a little bit and then you started with what what was your first project um you mean for 
Like, for, like writing or for like web? Uh, well, I guess both actually. What would, yeah, what was your first writing project? Well, guess, for writing, first? I guess, I mean, back then you're doing like, you, you're building up your kind of, your body of work, right? So you're writing specs. Um, I wrote like a without a trace spec. This is when without a trace was actually on, right? <laughs> I wrote like a 4400 spec. The only person probably in the town that wrote a 4400 spec and uh, wrote a couple of pilots, some little, little kind of sci fi action y pilots, stuff I liked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I mean, submitted those. They were okay. I mean, you know, I was a young writer then, you know, kind of kind of raw, and so like there were there were parts that were good and the parts that weren't. Uh, as far as web goes, um, I guess you know, talking about web, we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll say short form, like shorter storytelling. Right? Sure. And sure, I've done like shorts in college and stuff like that. But I guess the first thing I kind of did out here was like you know just to get myself going, I was doing a lot of the forty-eight hour film projects. And cool, um, yeah. I think they just did one last week here yeah. in LA, right? And so uh, we did that one in two thousand eight, and, uh, and this was after I'd done a lot of the the training from from UCLA already. So this, this now I'm a different kind of you know, a little more polished of a storyteller. And and we told uh, we did a good story in six minutes, I think, and um, we think we were the runner up film in LA, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to, to win the LA 40-hour film project, I'd say. Uh, and uh, that was a, a, our first thing, and it did really well, and, and we actually submitted that film as a short film to festivals, and it actually got into a couple, and not anything huge, but you know, it's like, okay, cool, that, we're getting some traction out of this thing we shot in two days. Right on. Nice, you know? Yeah. I, and then from there, uh, as far as my first web series, um, I did one in 2000, early 2009, I think, and... Uh, and it was just like, well, actually, wait, let me, let me timeline this. No, early 2008. And it was this kind of this dating comedy. And it was just, I was just dabbling with it and trying to see uh, how I can tell complete stories in four minutes and serialize them or, like, you know, characterize them and have people come back. You know, the, the characters are the same, but the adventure is different and progress the story in these four-minute increments. I just, like, it's, it's challenging because when you're used to writing in half-hour increments or one-hour increments, to, to go from that to, to five minutes to, co- to go beginning, middle, end, and it, it's, it's an adjustment in your mind. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. It, that, that was in training, and that was the, the thing I did before compulsions. Um, no one ever saw the thing I did before compulsions. <laughs> and, and, I did, and, and uh, it was and a I'd com- like to keep it that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, there are elements of it that I'm proud of, but you know, reg- sure. regardless. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, when for compulsion, which I'm sure you're going to ask about next, like how that came about, um, I kind of went into it going thinking, all right, well, at that point and still today, uh, so much of the web is comedy, right? Like people, are, it's whether it's viral video, whether it's you know, a real annoying orange, um, it's so much is rooted in comedy, and I understand that. And comedy is great, and I, I and I love to laugh. Who doesn't, right? I just thought to myself, like, well, I'm I like drama. Uh, why can't there be a great drama on the web, right? And why can't I do it? You know, so I set out and really tried to break down how to tell a great drama in these short increments, and that became compulsions. So cool. That's where that came from. That's really great. So there, it's interesting that you said four minutes is kind of the the is that kind of the ideal time frame? Would you say for web series right now um, at this stage of evolution? Well, I mean, ideal t- ideal is very subjective. You yeah. Know? yeah. And as much as is. Uh, um, Success, you know, you know, the ideal to to achieve success, right? So, uh, and I'm going to preface this by saying, like, my opinions change um, every few months or so, just because of what I've learned and how the industry shifts and sure, yeah. how the marketplace shifts. And I was telling, you know, when I was on the work with Bonnie, I was telling her this too. It's like, hey, what I'm telling, what I'm saying right now is what I believe at this moment in time, right. you know, on whenever I did that podcast. So, uh, 
we're now in August 2011, right? Uh-huh. This is what I believe now. And if you're listening to this six months down the road, my opinions may change. <laughs> and right. if, and what, I'm, what I believe now was certainly not what I believed uh, eight months ago, six months ago even. Yeah. So as far as what you're asking about time frame, I think there's a broader question, a broader answer to that. And it's kind of like, what is the goal of your web series, right? And uh, I was speaking uh, at a film festival once about this, and they were asking me about, you know, um, what if I should do a web series, and or they being the, the people who were asking the question, not me. Uh, and I asked, I asked them, well, why do you want to do a web series? Like, what do you what do you want to get out of it? You know, and and what's your goal of it? Is your goal to, you know, if if, if you're an actor, I know this is actors access, access. So if you're an actor, uh, you should do, and you're doing a web series. I my belief is that if you're doing a web series for yourself. The very, very least is that you should be showing yourself off as an awesome actor. Sure, you know whether or not that sh- that series gets you know g- gets sold, gets bought by television. You know, not that it ever really happens, but let's say you know uh, that can happen, um, or if it gets millions of views. None of those other three really should matter as much as this web series should make you look like an awesome actor. You know, and so if that's the goal, then you can. You can do whatever you want, really. Um, as far as structuring a story, going back to that question, I know I kind of tangented it. Uh, yeah, four minutes, five minutes. I think you can go up to ten. I mean, you think of if you if you kind of break down traditional formats, meaning like one-hour television, you know, those act breaks, right? Like between commercials, you know, mm-hmm. and those are about what they can they can range from five minutes to twelve minutes. So I think you know the public, uh, as long as you're executing on your craft, you know, the acting, the writing, the directing, and all that stuff, you can tell a longer story, a five-minute or a 12-minute or an, an increment and, and cliffhang you, cliffhang the viewer, and then bring them back and do another one. Um, my, my thing is just just be consistent. Like, I don't believe in you should do a web series that's that has three-minute episodes and then all of a sudden throw in a 10-minute episode and then go back to five minutes and speak all, right. all over the place. I believe in consistency because I believe the audience wants consistency. Yeah. So Yeah, we were, we were speaking with uh, Yuri Baranowski uh, last week. Oh. And um, I love you. Um, awesome. Yeah, he's, he was great. It was fantastic. And uh, he was telling us that he, he feels that, like, you know, the idea that web series have to be these short little kind of four or five minute episodes is kind of just this weird thing that kind of he doesn't really know, didn't really feel like he knew where it came from because people watch movies on their computers. They download things from iTunes and watch full TV shows. They're on Hulu watching stuff all the time. And so I kind of took that to mean, like, I guess it must be the context in which this, this, entertainment is presented to you you know if it's if it's like on a if it's on youtube you're expecting two or three minutes in the middle of checking your email and i am and your friends or being on facebook or whatever Mm -hmm. but if you're going on to hulu you're expecting to sit there for a longer amount of time when you pull something up i think it's very valid um i mean me being i i feel my i find myself I identify with being progressive in my in my kind of content consumption, but yeah, like if I if I'm on YouTube and you were to send me a link and it and I look at that runtime and it says 15 minutes, I might kind of go, okay, um, I'm gonna wait in the, <laughs> I'm right. gonna wait on this right. one, right? But if it's like four minutes and five minutes, I go, okay, I'm used to that. Let's let's, let's roll. Let's go. Let's do this. Or even nine minutes, even. But yeah. like if you threw me a link to something that ends up being a two-hour movie, right? Uh, and I I might go, oh. Well, I'm not going to watch this right now. Right. I'm not going to just stop everything I'm doing. Like maybe I'm doing something like I'm writing or something like that. And then you send me a link and it's a two hour movie. I'm not going to watch that movie right at that, that instant. I have to right. probably like, you know, table it for later. But if it's a three minute video or a three minute, you know, episode of, of, of a web series that you go like, this is really amazing. I want to, you know, let me know how you think. I'll probably just watch it right then. 
Interesting. You know? so, so you really got to match. You got to find the story you want to tell, and then you've got to match it to the kind of the medium. That, and, and how you want to present it. I mean, you know, Mark Gant was another guest in our podcast, and you know, the Bannon Way was a, was written as a feature, shot as a feature, but then cut up into these little webisodes, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. And he hooked a bunch of people in that way. Um, but the the kind of thing that came up in my mind was like, well, how do you how do you like? Because because one thing Compulsions is so good at is creating those cliffhangers at the end of every episode. I was like, I had to watch the next one right away. So I did take, I wasn't intending to take an hour, uh-huh. but I did take an hour and I watched all of them because I was so like pulled on to the next one every time. But if you've got something that you've written as a feature and you chop up like that, I'm not sure if you have any oh, of course. experience with this, but how do you create those cliffhangers? Or Well, I mean, like, and this is theory. Um, so uh, you don't know this. Um, some This is somewhat public, I guess. Like after Compulsions, I, sol- I sold a, a pitch to... We'll say a studio. I can't. T- I can't tell you the studio. Awesome! But, Congratulations. But it was it was a multi platform p- uh, project, meaning it was a web series slash movie. You know, so it's the same thing. And as the studio wants two hour movie, they're like, "Well, we're making you. We're, we're, we're paying you to write a web series or to build a web series." And I go, "I understand that. That's what I do. I will. I will outline you a web series slash two hour movie from the start. You know, not say. You know, I mean." Uh, even though Bannon Way was a web series, you know, like, like you just said, you, you know, it's uh, they wrote it as a feature first, and they, and they and they went kind of not backwards, but just went that route. We right. were we were constructing it as it's web series, and it's long enough to be a movie. And and even if you, it's still a movie because I can plug it into three act structure and show you where all the beats are, you know. Mm. So at the mm. same time, you can still do that. So uh, now this is going to be a little bit, a bit of a screenwriting tangent. Sorry, actors. But uh, <laughs> the you know, uh, screenplays you know of as these three-act structures, right? You know, uh, act one, act two, act three. And you know that act two is a longer chunk than act one and three, and there's a midpoint, right? So let's just say it's four parts based on that. Act one, act two A, act two B, and act three. Sure. Okay. So technically, if you broke those off in those individual kind of stories, right? Well, now you have four four episodes, Okay. Right, the four mm-hmm. episodes right there. They're they're not movies. They're they're shorter, you know, vignettes or whatever. Maybe they're twenty minutes long. Can you break your twenty minutes into kind of three big beats or two big beats for two cliffhangers? Absolutely, you totally can. It it, it takes some, you know, story know how and structuring, of course. And it's not like you just do it. You you have to think about what that what those beats are. But if you're going into to your story construction knowing that you have to have these kind of sub beats sub act breaks we'll call them in your larger screenplay then you got abs- you can absolutely structure a project as being a we'll say a 12 part using the math 12 part web series slash two hour movie so, you know that fits mm-hmm. in the three act structure right yeah interesting so you so when you wrote compulsions you sat down and you outlined all eight or nine episodes yeah see when compulsions like compulsions does not fit what i just said <laughs> right <laughs> and, and here and here we're talking i mean here's an example take of, back everything yeah here yeah. well here's an example of of you know telling uh, using an example of something that i've learned through the process okay compulsions does not fit in three-act structure it doesn't it's not a feature it's not a television show it is a web series and only a web series you know hmm. we could not like you, 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 as you saw the show, um, at the end, at the cliffhangers, it, it, it cliffhangs at this big beat, and it goes in the, the credits. Right? You could not take those credits out and just put them back to back. Like it just doesn't feel right. Like if you if you were watch everything just like with no credits, no kind of like ooh, like let that all sink in, and we're coming back. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't work that way. So it's really just a web series, and and honestly, partially kind of a mistake. You know, I mean, not a mistake. I just didn't know. 
And mm. so, like, I would never tell anybody in this day and age to go, yeah, just structure it like compulsions and just make these little four-minute, you know, episode, <laughs> w- w- you know, web episodes, and and it will work, and you can probably sell it, or maybe you know, make some money. I mean, you can still tell a great story, but I'm just going, well, why do that? And this is what I said actually on the work. Uh, why do that when you can actually kind of double structure stuff into like you know like Mark Anton in a, in a sense right. Mark Anton Jesse um, it, with Bannon Way where they structured it as this multi-platform series where it's like you know uh, web episodes and two-hour movie right you know? yeah cool cool so let's talk a little bit about the studios because you said you kind of we're working with studios to develop multi-platform stuff. Sure. And, and we've sure. talked about this kind of more and more in, in an increasing amount on the podcast about how studios seem to be kind of, you know, what happened to the music industry where the record labels kind of seemed to lose their footing and artists started going directly to fans. It seems to be happening now in the entertainment industry, the movie industry as well. What are your, uh, like, what's your, what's your take on that? Like, can you give me an example of something? Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking like, I just read an article that talked about how Sony was losing money and I'm thinking of more of like a, a lot of uh, filmmakers are creating films, and then Mar- like Ed Burns, for example. Okay, I think that his new film, Newlyweds, he shot for nine thousand um, dollars. Or I'm sorry, I'll, I'll rewind to uh, Nice Guy Johnny was a film that he shot. He shot it for you know twenty grand, I think, mm-hmm. on uh, on a red camera and with like a couple actors that were unknowns at the time. And uh, I think he had a deal with iTunes where he released it exclusively on iTunes. To, to them, and he made you know a ton of money on it. But as far as I know, there was no studio that acted as a middleman between Ed Burns and iTunes. So iTunes was his distribution platform, but there was no studio. It was kind of his own production company that just went straight through that. And his new film, um, Newlyweds, I don't believe there was a studio. He took it to the Tribeca Film Festival, which he kind of is in with. He's in with those guys. And uh, I think it got picked up by Tribeca Film to be mm-hmm. distributed. But... Um, it was all about him just kind of going straight there. So that second example probably isn't the best example, but the first one, Nice Guy Johnny, I don't think there was a studio involved. Uh, well, that's great. I mean, I mean I, 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 this, is, this is the first time I heard the story, but okay. I, I think it's, it, it, it sounds awesome. Great for him. Um, I guess my, my, we'll call it criticism. I'm not criticizing, you know, I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, it's like my thing is goes like, okay, well, you spent 20000 in, uh, you know, he, and he made money on iTunes. Sure, you could you could you could, you can profit on a twenty thousand dollars investment. Absolutely, but is he making millions off iTunes? I don't think so. You know, maybe he is. I mean, if he is, great, awesome, amazing. I I just don't think he is. You know, uh, and and is that the goal? You know, and that's kind of the studio system, right? Is that you know, studios are I guess the big five. They're conglomerates. They're billions of dollars of years of year of revenues and money going back and forth. Uh, conglomerates. So, do you know they're not going to, you know, like pay two executives? We'll say two executives. You know, their salaries to to work and develop a, a film with Ed Burns. Uh, at that, they're only going to sink twenty thousand dollars in to make, we'll say, a million dollars. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a great return twenty thousand to a million, right? They don't want to make a million. They want to make hundreds of millions. Sure, they sure, want Spider Man. Yeah. They want yeah. you know. They want Harry Potter. You know, they're not looking to spend a million to make a million. They're mis- looking to spend you know ten million or fifty million or hundred million to make a billion. Uh-huh. You know, that's the studio system, right? 
that's at least the features at least my observation of that and well you know that that's great that this, the stockholders are happy they're all their employees are getting paid and their families can be provided for mm-hmm. you know uh, um i guess from from the the independence point of view i mean yeah like the, the, there are avenues now that exist that you can do it all yourself i i, I guess the question is what's, what's hard about it is that i mean there's different levels of success whether it's web series independent film or whatever right so if you and I together were to were to come together and make an independent film, you know, and we go, all right, we're gonna we're gonna put in our own money. We're gonna put in like Ed Burns did twenty, we'll say twenty thousand dollars of our own dollars, you know, and we and we we're smart about it, and we, and we and we we you know we we don't go over budget and we bootstrap it, and we find these little kind of smaller distribution deals that that nets us our twenty thousand dollars back. Well, we broke even, and that's 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 an accomplishment, right? I mean, you go like. Breaking even is huge. Yeah, thumbs yeah. up. The problem is, is that you've just spent probably a year of your life to break even. Right. 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 So, how are you paying for your rent and your utilities and all that stuff? Right. Sure. So, the goal is not should not be to break even. The goal should be to profit and pay your rent. Sure. You know, or your mortgage or whatever it may be. Right. And to be able to live off doing what you do love. You know, see, if you and I were to go on the venture and let's venture again to spend twenty thousand to break even, well. The rest of our free time, if we even have free time, is spent trying to make sure that we can we have a roof, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, and and a kitchen and a bedroom, right? And so, is that the, the process you want to go for? I mean, maybe there's a greater goal, right? Mm-hmm. Again, uh, maybe you know, let's let's say it's it's a couple years ago, um, and I and we come together, and I as a writer and you as an actor, and I go, let's do this project. I have, we have twenty thousand dollars. We both agree that this idea is amazing it's an amazing idea i'll write it to showcase my writing and we'll we'll have it star you to showcase your acting so now if you break even that's okay that's great but at the same time you have a body of work to showcase what you can do i have a body of work to showcase what i can do so that twenty thousand dollars whether we profit or not wash doesn't matter because mm-hmm, now right. hopefully ideally you're getting roles that people wouldn't consider you for before and i'm getting writing gigs that people wouldn't have considered me for before right yes right so in a sense you, you you build on that but i mean i guess if you put it that way um which is probably the most realistic way to put it then the studios are absolutely essential down the line it's just getting off the ground maybe it makes sense to not you, you know i, I guess so like, it's really no different I yeah guess. I, I i i don't know i mean you, you know actors more than i do because you're actually an actor right uh, I, I i look at the writers and i and i look at you know, there are people who are in the independent space, the web series space, who are just looking to stay independent and hopefully making it all work, right? Mm-hmm. I feel they're more the more honest and realistic answer is that they're trying to use it as a springboard to jump into the traditional system, which is ironic and you know, but like I, I again like trying to be honest, it's like someone comes in and you know, open, walks through that door behind me and goes like Bernie, like we're gonna give you a development deal and here's your money and you can pay your rent for a year and all that stuff. I'm like, and you're developing a project for television, and I go like, "Wow, I'd be really stupid to turn that down." You know, it'd be like, like it would be idiotic to turn that down. From an actor's point of view, it's maybe the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you, you know, uh, to turn down say a regular role on a soap if whatever soaps are still on. You know, hypothetically, maybe right, right. maybe maybe you don't want to be associated as a soap actor. Like, no, I'm a real you know actor. I don't know what that means, even, but I, <laughs> I, I've heard of people saying this. So I'm going to sure, sure. I, I'm here saying here. But like at the same time, man, that soap paycheck, that mm, that's, yeah, that's, that's some, a nice paycheck. That's some good pay and some rent, some food, and you're like you're gonna tell me you're gonna turn that down? You know, yeah. really? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You know, to stay independent, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you props. You know, as, as an artist, to, to, if you if you did, you know, I understand it. But it's it, 
I'm not going to fault you for not. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I go like, hey, you know what? Quality of life is a part of life, right? So, um, yeah, the studios are still definitely in play. I mean, there's yeah. just more avenues of not having them in play. Absolutely, you yeah. know, with YouTube, like you said, iTunes, um, self-production, um, your own phone video camera, right? You know, type thing. So, I mean, if you want to go into the YouTubers as performers, if they're, if, you know, or if they're actors or performers, then you have a whole new gamut of ways to to monetize yourself right you know where where do you see this going with web series and things do you see tv and, and computers merging and becoming uh not really sure what i'm asking here but um i believe that the 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 device with the remote control will be the, the will be merging with the device with the keyboard <laughs> <laughs> well put right sooner on. than sooner at some point at some point it's going to happen whether it be 2 years 10 years it's going to happen mm-hmm. you know it has to happen i just it's it's the same thing of of, of you know the the mp3 and the personal camera and the phone all becoming the same device mm-hmm. right you know they they are they are the same device now yeah. right so in the same notion, it's like, shouldn't the device with the remote control eventually be the device that's the computer at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have other devices too, like, of course, your phone and your tablet, you know, maybe, right? Uh, but I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's kind of where, where the studio system is today. Like, again, August 2011. The studio system today, as far as developing content for digital, they're looking at just ways to, to grow uh, value to their existing properties, you know. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, Warehouse Thirteen, Sci-Fi Network, sure, just yeah. uh, launched. Uh, not just, but it's it's been a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Uh, launched their comic book web series based on Warehouse Thirteen. You know, it, it was an animated web series, I think, um, mm-hmm. and it's on Warehouse Thirteen. It, uh, it's about Warehouse Thirteen. It's on Sci-Fi.com. It's a web series. Granted, that Sci-Fi.com also just launched an original web series called Mercury Men. Which is um, I recommend you guys checking it out. Uh, check to check it out. It's very good, uh, but you're not seeing that you know or, original property development being spearheaded in the studio system because it goes back to the whole again profit, uh, the P and L meter, the profit and losses. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna, they're going to want to have their executives that they pay you know sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year to develop something that can make them millions of dollars rather than a web series that can right. maybe make them a hundred thousand. All right, guys, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our two-part interview with uh, Bernie. I was going to say my sort of debrief of that interview was um, something that you said in the intro, which is that I I love how sort of business-focused he is. Yeah. Um, It was a little bit of a different take than what we kind of heard from Yuri. Mm -hmm. And I also thought it was interesting... Um, in the areas where he kind of disagreed with you. I mean, and I don't want to say like disagreed, like he was being disagreeable. Just saying like when you were talking about, like when you brought up the Edward Burns thing and he was like, well, you know, no, the, this is just a stepping stone for most people. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And, and maybe that's because he's already having that experience, you know, cause he talks about the fact that a lot of the work that he's done so far has gotten him the opportunities with the studios and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting where he was like, "No, this isn't the end all be all. I've got other, I've got other things on my mind." Yeah, you know? I yeah. thought it was really cool. Well, it's cool. It's a little bit of a paradigm shift, I think, from what the, the approach that most actors usually take, which is like, "I want to get myself out there. I want to, you know, have a calling card for my work," kind of thing. And he's just kind of like, 
yeah, a calling card is nice, but that's not going to pay the bills. You know, like what you want is to always have that end mi- end in mind of like I need to make money with this and I need to be a business person to do it. So I need to understand how the studios work. I need to be taking meetings. I need to actively be pursuing that. And that's that's his role. He's not an actor. He's a he's a content creator, obviously. But um, I, I love the the focus that he had. It's it's kind of interesting though having this non actor content creator um, listening to his take on what actors can do. From his point of view, mm-hmm. you know, where he was yeah. like, you know, he was like, get yourself out there, get inside, get into a good project. He's like, it's going to get you real footage at, at the at the least and attention at the best. Yeah, you know. And I was like, wow, that's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty astute coming from somebody who's n- quote unquote not an actor. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating conversation, man. I wish I could have been there for it. Yeah. Our, our schedules just wouldn't line up that week, but yeah, it was really cool. Cool. So make sure you guys stick around for uh, part two coming at you next week where we uh, really just talk about more of the same. It's, it's really good stuff. Um, we're running out of time here. So um, what is your pick of the week? Um, my pick of the week this week, um, <clears throat> you know, I talked about TaskRabbit uh, in the last episode. And uh, I want to talk – I've been hesitant to share this next pick of the week because it's one of those things where like if people start – if a ton of people start using it, it may actually sort of block out other people from, you know, sort of getting something out of it. Um, and you'll understand what I mean by that in a moment. Uh, it's another iPhone app, and I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about iPhone apps, but this one can actually make you money, and it's ridiculously easy. So if you have an iPhone 4, um, you can download this app called GigWalk. Uh, gig, G-I-G, Walk, W-A-L-K, all one word, GigWalk. And what it is, is it's basically Microsoft has hired out this 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 entrepreneurial group to um, create this app and then sort of ask their user base to go around and take pictures. This is why you have to have an iPhone 4 because it has to be super high quality. Take pictures of businesses both from the outside and from the inside. And then you post your photos. And if the photos are good enough, you get paid. And it's somewhere, usually somewhere between 4 and $7 for each photograph. Hmm. And what they're doing is, is um, they're using those photographs to build a sort of better than Google Street View database of photographs to use on Bing. Wow. Yeah. So they, but they, they, they want interior shots as well? Yes. yes. So this is so like, this is like laying interior. the groundwork for augmented reality is really what exactly. they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing. It's exactly what they're doing because you have to actually use um, their, um, what's it called? Photosynth app or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but it basically allows you to take panoramic photos. So you stand in one place and you don't have to keep snapping the, the picture button on the iPhone. You just rotate in place and it snaps pictures every time it realizes that you've gotten past a certain point God, and then it incredible. stitches them all together. Jeez, and so yeah, that's what they're doing. Is they're working on like these sort of um, uh, uh, advantages to that Bing might have over, say, Google or Yahoo or these other search engines. And it's four dollars for the outside, four dollars for the inside, seven dollars for the outside, and four dollars for the inside, four dollars for the outside. But anyway, if you live in an area that's like a very sort of um, populated urban area, and you have an iPhone four, you can walk around in one little area and make enough money to pay for your gas for the month. Wow. Or pay for a grocery shopping trip. 
So you're essentially a freelance photographer. So you're a freelance helping, photographer. Helping build the Microsoft pyramid. Exactly. It's, t- it's totally weird. Like, it's like, and like, like I said, that this is the reason why I've been hesitant to share it with a large group. And actually, the two people that have told me about it are like, dude, I'm not telling people about this, but like, <laughs> listen. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've just been so overly generous with our, our listeners over the years that I'm like, I'm not going to keep this from them. That's just silly. So, um, so I don't know if you have an iPhone four, great. If not, I'm sorry. I know I keep you know uh, making uh, apps my my pick of the week. I'm I'm a little bit of a gadget nerd, um, a geardo, if you will. Uh, Trevor knows this about me. So anyway, you can use this to go out and make make some money, just like TaskRabbit, and um, you know, happy hunting, I guess. Cool. Wow, that's that's <laughs> interesting and kind of scary when you think about it. We're really kind of cyborgs like already like think about how often you use your iphone to maintain your grocery list check your email take photos get from point a to point b with maps i mean keep in touch with each other like we have like the iphone for me sometimes feels like it's practically built in which is why i really liked digital warriorship that ebook that was my pick of the week a few episodes ago from gwen bell because she talks about kind of just like putting a wedge between yourself and the technology and remembering that you are a spiritual being having a physical experience. That technology is just another aspect of that. It's so easy to get lost in, in all this like no noise, electromagnetic plastic metals. Like, I don't know. I'm a little bit biased because I've just been, I feel overwhelmed lately with all this technology, but it's kind of interesting. Like with this, it's like literally we are helping build the pyramid of these massive corporations yeah it's you know? it's it's bizarre and i and i appreciate that point of view i do uh they had a whole uh discussion about it on npr i want to say like a month ago or oh, so i wish i would have heard that oh god it was amazing because they were just talking about like our dependence on technology and mm-hmm. like whether it's good or bad and 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 you know, it was really fascinating. They brought in all these experts. That Gwen lady might have even been on it. I think she was, actually. Um, it was yeah. amazing. It was really fascinating to listen to. Well, you know, that, that brings up a, a thing, and maybe this should be my pick of the week. I sent you that link to that thing I found called uh, World Building in a Crazy World, <gasps> which is like this, this like, oh my it's God. like a, I guess it's like an essay, would you yes, call it? But it's, it's like, an essay. It's like, it's it, like it spread out across me. a couple web pages, and it's all, it talks about basically oh, it's so the, good. the role that technology has in our lives it's and how we so can maybe good. cope with that. It's so good. Um, we should, I'll post a link to that yeah, on the website. Yeah, we should post a link on the website and just... You guys can go and read it. And it's read it's it. about a 20-minute read, but it's worth every second. Oh, my God. It's so good. It reminds me... I, oh man, this is opening up a big can of worms. Maybe we should talk about this on another episode. We should, we should probably save it, yeah. All right. Uh, but, um, we'll it, come back to that. Yeah, it's worth checking out. And the thing that really stuck out to me right off the bat was I think it was the first or second page of the essay. Um, he said, it's interesting that that the, the, the engineers of these websites, Twitter and Facebook and MySpace and Foursquare and all those websites call their user base users. Yeah. And I really, like, what else? At first I was like, well, what else would you call them? Like, that's what they've always been called. They're users. They use your software. But then I was like, oh, my God. Like, I know so many people who I've never seen without some sort of digital glow on their face. You know what I mean? Because oh they've always God, yeah. got their device on in front of them. Like, they're always kind of half engaged with the real world. And they're always kind of got one eye on you, one eye in their device. I'm just it's kind like of what we talked about with Alan Barton a little. Yeah, bit. exactly. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, like this person is like full on addicted 
Yeah. Addi- like a drug. They are addicted. And it's and after I read The Brain they That Changes Itself. They talked about that itself, on NPR. After I read The Brain That Changes Itself, which is my pick of the week from a few more episodes ago, I'm like so hypersensitive to how I what I expose my brain to because your brain is constantly rearranging itself and taking over areas that are not used and and you and kind of using them for areas that are being used more often. So the more that you indulge in something, the more your brain is going to adapt itself to only work with that and the less you're going to be able to engage with the outside world and things like that. And this is like science. Like your brain is constantly remapping itself. So when I think about that and I see some people that are just like part cyborg, I'm just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, this is a whole other conversation. I know. It's, but, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, man. Cause yeah. it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I can't live without my iPhone, but at the same time I want to throw it in the ocean. So, um, I'll just quickly jump into my pick of the week then. Everybody check out World Building in a Crazy World, but kind of to piggyback off of that, my pick of the week is George Orwell's book, 1984. I just got around to reading that. Are you serious? At 30 years old. That's awesome, man. And it blew my mind. It's, I love that book. God, it's, it's so, so good. good. So the movie bad. is terrible. The movie they made out of it? I saw the trailer. So it looks awful. But uh, um, the, the book the was... The book is unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you got a chance to read that finally. <laughs> That's so funny. Last week... Was it last week or the week before? I had a sort of a classic... Yeah, it wasn't last week. Last week was Task Rabbit, But the week before that was... Um, was Hitchhiker's a, Guide to the Hitch- Galaxy. Yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide. So... Yeah. And cool. I also... I, I, I also read... Um, uh, J.D. Salinger, Catcher in the Rye. Oh, my God. Um, I read that in high school and hated it. I was like, this is the stupidest book I've ever read. Yeah. But I read it, again, just before I read 1984. I'm trying to, like, up, re-up myself in the classics. Yeah. And uh, that book is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> both, like, both those two books are, like, two of the best books I've ever read. Now I see why they're such classics. Why they're classics, yeah. Uh, 1984 will, like, melt your yeah. mind. That's, oh, and, that, talk about a noodle bake. And I read it, and I read it, and I'll, I swear we'll wrap up the podcast after this, but I read uh, an article that was really interesting because there was some sort of uh, publishing snafu with 19, the, the people who had the rights to 1984. So people who had downloaded that book on their Kindles had it erased without them, without their consent, without them knowing, mm-hmm. with no warning. Yeah, that and happened there was, there was several this, months ago. Yeah, there was this, I found all these articles online about like people who were like, are, are you serious? Are you kidding me? This is so meta, it's <laughs> not even funny. Yeah. yeah. Just like, wow, talk about like being mind controlled. Like, let's erase this literature. You cannot have this. Yeah. Big you brother, know, like, big yeah. brother. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but good stuff. Anybody who's not read that book, yeah, it's very, very excellent. Um, so that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> should, that, should that do it for this episode? I think it, I I think think it, it probably should. should. Yeah, we have so much more to talk about, but uh, that's what we get for not recording frequently enough. So maybe we'll uh, make some notes and table some of these conversations and bring them back next week. But, of course, if you would like to contribute to the conversation, (laughs) you can always send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, leave us a comment on the website at insideactingpodcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail at uh, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. Or you can get in touch with us through the more electronic routes. More? No, that's not right. Anyway, you can get in touch with us other ways. You can send us a tweet. We are at twitter.com slash insideacting, and we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash insideacting. And if you really want to get in touch with us individually, we're both on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. I'm twitter.com slash digital actor. You can leave us a review in many different places, including Actor Rated, uh, which is one of our sponsors, actorrated.com slash insideacting. Is that correct? Uh, slash 
business. I, I'm not exactly sure. Do a search for us on ActorRated.com for Inside Acting, or a search on uh, iTunes for Inside Acting. Leave us a, a, a review there. That's right. We're missing anything uh, besides well, we, our Dig.com profile? We haven't really been maintained as, no. as much as we could, but uh, <laughs> we're on there too. But uh, the big way you can support the podcast, I mean, all those other ways we love and we need them and rely on them very much. But um, the thing that really keeps us going is your money. So <laughs> if you, if you uh, get something out of this podcast and you and you learn things from the guests that we have on, consider becoming a patron of the podcast. You can donate to us in one lump sum, or if you want to be a, a patron, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast at three, five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. It's all done through PayPal. It's all done online. It's one hundred percent secure, and it is a tax write-off if you are an actor or. Anybody in the entertainment industry, you can write it off as an, uh, an education expense. That's right. Or a donation. Yeah. Or a donation. Yeah. So that's all we got, and that's all we have time for. So uh, for episode 61, my name is Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week, hopefully. We'll see you next week. <laughs> and in the meantime, see the band. See the band.